0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: The scope of this judgment, it's a universal judgment. It's the judgment that God is going to bring upon the world at some point in the future for its perpetual rebellion against Him and for its rejection of His salvation through His Son, Jesus the Savior. And this is heavy stuff, obviously. I'm going to make a human being more rare than fine gold.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Isaiah chapters 13 through 23. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: All right, let's uh, open up our Bibles to Isaiah, Isaiah 13. And, you know, back in the, the 70s and in the, the early 80s, Pastor Chuck, when he was going through the Bible, it wouldn't be unheard of for him to do 10 chapters at a time. I sat through some of those 10-chapter <laughs> Bible studies, and so I have precedence set by Pastor Chuck to go through 10 chapters. We're gonna do it. We're going to do it, because these 10 chapters, chapter 13 through 23, they're chapters that, that really deal primarily with judgment, and specifically with the judgment of the surrounding nations and the great empires of the day. And so there's some really beautiful statements in the midst of all the judgment, and we want to focus on those. But, you know, there's there's just a lot of parts of these chapters that are repetitious in, in regard to the judgment that's going to come and so forth. So, You know, we don't want to get bogged down in all of those details. It's unnecessary. But we do want to just get the overview of the judgments that are here. And as I mentioned before, these are all prophetic statements about judgments that are to come. And remember that these judgments that are prophesied, they're near in some cases They're further out also. And then they're ultimately judgments that will come in the future. So there's at least two judgments on these various places that have already occurred. But there's one great judgment that has yet to come. And and you can see that in the text because you can see it on the one hand because the judgment is universal And on the other hand, you can see it because the outcome is the full restoration and blessing of Israel. And so neither one of those things have happened, right? There's never been a universal judgment, except if you want to go back to the flood, but there's never been that, you know, final universal judgment upon rebellious mankind, nor has Israel ever entered into the fullness of God's blessing after They went through seasons of judgment. So they were sent off into captivity. They came back. The prophets talked about that. And there was a judgment on the nation and there was a blessing on them when they came back. But it was not a thorough judgment on the nation, nor was it a thorough blessing on the people. So much of what we look at is going to be pointing us to the future because these nations that are mentioned here Although they, you know, they've had a, a long history alongside of the nation of Israel, they still have a history alongside of Israel. And when that final judgment comes down, it's going to include these various nations that are mentioned here. So chapter 13 begins with a pronouncement of judgment upon Babylon, a pronouncement concerning Babylon that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw. Now, just remember that at this stage in history, Babylon is not yet a world power. At this time, at the time that Isaiah is writing, Assyria is the world power. Now, Assyria, the Assyrian Empire and the Babylonian Empire were very close to one another in many ways. They were like city-states that had gained worldwide dominion. So, but at this time, although Babylon is a nation at this time and a significant nation, Assyria is the superpower. And so, Babylon is not even going to rise to superpower status for over 100 years. So, we see here this is prophetic, but especially in this 13th chapter, it's going to become crystal clear that Babylon here, as it is in other places, is representative of the world the whole world and the system of the world that is in revolt against God. And so this pronouncement that comes from Isaiah, just read a couple of verses to start here. Lift up a banner on a barren mountain, call out to them, signal with your hand, and they will go through the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my consecrated ones. Yes, I have called my warriors who celebrate my triumph, To execute my wrath. Listen, a commotion on the mountains, like that of a mighty people. Listen, an uproar among the kingdoms, like nations being gathered together. The Lord of armies is mobilizing an army for war. They are coming from a distant land, from the farthest horizon, the Lord and the weapons of his wrath to destroy the whole country. Now, look at verse six. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. So here's where it's taking on a universal scope. Therefore, everyone's hands will be weak. Every man will lose heart. They will be horrified. Pain and agony will seize them. They will be in anguish like a woman in labor. They will look at each other, their faces flushed with fear. Look, The day of the Lord is coming, cruel with rage and burning anger, to make the earth a desolation and to destroy its sinners. Indeed, the stars of the sky and its constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark when it rises. The moon will not shine. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked people for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pride of the arrogant and humiliate the insolence of tyrants. I will make a human being more scarce than fine gold and mankind more rare than the gold of Ophir. So the, it's, you can see the scope of this judgment is, it's a universal judgment. It's the judgment that God is going to bring upon the world finally at some point in the future for its perpetual rebellion against him and for its rejection of his salvation through his son, Jesus, the Savior. And this is heavy stuff, obviously. I'm gonna make a human being more rare than fine gold. Now, in the, the book of Revelation, which of course gives us a lot of detail about the judgment that will come, And chapter 18 of the book of Revelation refers to the judgment upon Babylon itself. And so that stands for the empires of the world. It also could possibly stand for a revived Babylon yet in the future. But here we see it's a fierce judgment that's going to come and God is gonna thin out the human race really. And so therefore, I will make the heavens tremble, the earth will shake from its foundations at the wrath of the Lord of armies on the day of his burning anger. Now, jump down with me to verse 17. Look, the Lord speaking, I am stirring up the Medes against them, them being the Babylonians. So now here's where it goes back to Babylon itself in its ancient form, Babylon was conquered by the Medes and the Persians. So here's where you see a blending of the the picture here and the the scope of the prophecy going way out into the future, but then backing up again. And that, what I said in the beginning, that's, that's the way it is with all of these judgments that are pronounced here all the way through chapter 23. That's the way it is on all of the various nations. The near judgment, the... Further distant judgment, and then the final judgment. So verse 19, and Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, the glory of the pride of the Chaldeans will be like Sodom and Gomorrah. When God overthrew them, it will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation. And then down in the last verse, Babylon's time is almost up, her days are almost over. Now, this is interesting because notice the description of the destruction of Babylon. Babylon is going to be overthrown like Sodom and Gomorrah. What do we know about Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, from Genesis chapter 18, we see that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed by fire and brimstone that God sent down from heaven. And the cities were completely consumed. Babylon was never destroyed in that fashion. Babylon faded out of history, really. It was conquered. The the Babylonian uh, Empire was conquered by the Medes and the Persians, but they basically just took over the empire. They didn't destroy the city. The city remained. The city remained. It was a city in New Testament times. But finally, it just completely faded out of history. But because of... The, this passage here in Isaiah, and similar kinds of statements in Jeremiah, some have wondered about an actual, uh, literal rebuilding of Babylon at the, end, at the end of time, at the in the final days before the Lord returns. And I think that that is a possibility. Now, remember where Babylon was. Babylon was in what we know today as Iraq. And actually before the US invasion of Iraq, uh, Saddam Hussein was on a mission to rebuild Babylon. He actually had made some coins where he was depicting himself as the new Nebuchadnezzar. And um, not only that, but the UN was building before all the war and everything broke out, the UN was was working on a not actually rebuilding the city, but turning a part of that area into a massive cultural center. And those things have all obviously been put on hold because of the ongoing wars in that region. But I, I think it's highly possible that Babylon itself could be rebuilt again in the future and could become very literally the, the place of um, commerce and trade and all of those things that Revelation chapter 18 talks about, uh, where Revelation 18 actually uses the, the term Babylon. So that's uh, speculation. I don't know that for sure. Some people think that that could be the case. But if you consider how God says the, the city will be destroyed and the fact that it never was But the picture of of the destruction of Babylon in Revelation 18 is very much like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah because in one day, the great city is wiped out. So that might be in the future. We'll have to wait and see. So chapter 14, "'For the Lord will have compassion on Jacob.'" So now all of this is tied to the Lord blessing Israel once he deals with Israel's enemies. God will have compassion on Jacob, will choose again Israel. He will settle them in their own land. The resident alien will join them and be united with the house of Jacob. The nations will escort Israel and bring it to its homeland Then the house of Israel will possess them as male and female slaves in the Lord's land. They will make captives of their captors and rule over their oppressors. So see, here's that promise of blessing and prosperity for Israel in the future that has not yet come in history. Now, verse seven, or verse three, I'm sorry. When the Lord gives you rest from your pain, torment, and the hard labor you were forced to do, you will sing this song of contempt about the king of Babylon. Now, the king of Babylon here. So this this 14th chapter is a a prophecy of, of judgment that's going to come upon the king of Babylon. And it begins, they're gonna sing this song, how the oppressor has quieted down And how the raging has become quiet. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers. And then he goes on in these next few verses to talk about how this king of Babylon is going to be overthrown. But then in verse 12, the prophet suddenly goes, beyond the king of Babylon, the human ruler, and he addresses the the spirit ruler behind the scenes. And this happens twice in the prophets. It happens here in Isaiah 14, and it also happens in Ezekiel 28. The king in Ezekiel 28 is the king of Tyre, which Tyre will come up in chapter 23 here. But in both places, you have a prophecy given against the human ruler, But then suddenly it looks beyond the ruler to the spiritual power behind the ruler. And so here is that passage here that in verse 12 reads, Shining morning star, how have you fallen from the heavens? Now, remember, I'm reading the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. If you have a new King James Version or a King James Version, Verse 12 says, "O Lucifer, how have you fallen from heaven? Now, the reason why the Bible I'm reading and the newer translations have dropped Lucifer is because Lucifer is the Latin translation of the Hebrew that means just what it says here, morning star. Now, Lucifer obviously has become like a, um, you know, it's a, it's a proper name. But the Hebrew itself is not a proper name. But the Latin coming out as Lucifer, it it sort of got tagged on as the proper name. So all of that to say, we commonly would talk about Satan and synonymously talk about Lucifer. And we would think of Satan's name as Lucifer. But it really isn't. <laughs> that's, that's the whole point that I'm making. Um, it's really it just says what it says here. It's 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 addressed to the Son of the Morning. Now, another very interesting thing about this, the Son of the Morning, the Son of the Morning is a title for Jesus. So this is where it has gotten kind of complicated for some people, and there's different theories about why this being is called the Son of the Morning. But some have speculated, and I think maybe there's something to it, that the being that we call Lucifer, remember God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Michael is an archangel. His, his name is who is like God. Some have speculated that this being was directly submitted to and under the authority of the second person of the Trinity and so had a name that reflected the name of the Lord. So whatever the case, we don't know, but, the, but here's what we see. We see a being now who's the power behind Babylon, a spiritual being who has fallen from the heavens, who at one time had a position in heaven, but has fallen from the heavens. And then it goes on, you destroyer of nations, you have been cut down to the ground. And so here's the, here, here's the, the process through which all of this happened. You said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So this is the description of how this being that we call Satan, this is how he came to be. So before, and Ezekiel goes into more detail about his previous position Before he is, actually Ezekiel says that he is God's highest creature. He's the the sum of wisdom. He's perfect in beauty. There's no other creation like him, Ezekiel tells us. And so what Isaiah is describing here is this time in the past. And Jesus mentions it in Luke. I saw Satan fall from heaven as lightning but this time in the past where he tries to usurp God's authority and place himself on the throne of God. So this is the coup that happened in heaven through this being. And so now it goes on and it says, so your plan was to, be exalted and be like the most high, but you will be brought down to Sheol into the deepest regions of the pit. Now, verse 16, those who see you will stare at you. They will look closely at you. Is this the man who caused the earth to tremble and shook the kingdoms who turned the world into a wilderness, who destroyed its cities, who would not release the prisoners to return home? All the kings of the nations lie in splendor, each in his own tomb, but you are thrown out without a grave like a worthless branch covered by those slain with a sword and dumped in a rocky pit like a trampled corpse. So notice, so we actually have three people here. We have the king of Babylon that would come to power in a hundred years. We have the power behind the king who is the devil. And then we have this one who is visibly judged by all the world who caused the world to shake and is now cast down and disgraced. This is the Antichrist. So that's what I'm talking about. You've got these different things happening in these prophecies. And so the Antichrist, of course, will be the visible human manifestation of this same power that was originally behind the king of Babylon when Isaiah wrote. And the judgment that will come upon the Antichrist is the one that's being referred to here because it's clear that the person now being judged is a human being, and it's clear that the, the original king of Babylon did not do the kinds of things that this person did. As a matter of fact, you couldn't say, when you look at the judgment that's going to come on this person that's described here, that didn't happen to any of the Babylonian kings. It didn't happen to Nebuchadnezzar. Although Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem, although Nebuchadnezzar was fierce and brutal, remember, Nebuchadnezzar had a conversion. And He wrote his story down. He wrote his testimony, and it's included in the book of Daniel. And then Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, who was in power at the time that the Medes and the Persians conquered Babylon, we know his name. His name was Belshazzar.
0: And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares
1: about this month's resource on Back to Basics. In our culture today, there are plenty of people that would even challenge the historicity of Jesus. They would want to cast doubt on whether or not Jesus even lived. But did you know that there is no reputable historian who questions the existence of Jesus? And John Dixon has written a fantastic book called Is Jesus History? John is a PhD in historical studies and has done an excellent job in putting to bed the myths and the lies surrounding the existence of Jesus. Of course, Jesus was a historical person, and you can trust what the Bible says about him, and this little book, Is Jesus History?, is going to really be helpful for all of those who are still asking that question or wondering about that.
0: Again, this month's resource is a book titled Is Jesus History by John Dixon. You can order the book Is Jesus History by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, Is Jesus History by Dr. John Dixon? It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Isaiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.